this episode of the Evolving Media Podcast, we'll be revisiting a concept we talked about last year, the notion of embracing the narrative reversal. With me today is Jeff Gomez of Starlight Runner Entertainment, who's worked on everything from Avatar to Pirates of the Caribbean, from Halo Universe to Hot Wheels, and a lot more, and whose thoughts on how the collective journey is changing storytelling and changing the relationship with audiences are becoming increasingly relevant. Strap in and let us take you for a ride down the thorny fields of the narrative reversal. Jeff, thanks again for joining this this podcast one more time now. How has 2019 been treating you so far? Uh, 2019 is, uh, has been a, a tremendously exciting so far. Um, uh, we've, uh, we've started on a project uh, with a, a Japanese partner mm. uh, working on Ultraman. Oh. I'm so thrilled to be able to announce it. That's a, um, a Japanese superhero character with 50 years of... Uh, of uh, history and um, he's hugely popular in Japan but not that well known elsewhere in the world so our job is to make the world uh, excited about this uh, uh, superhero character it's uh, lots and lots of fun I'm excited already. <laughs> so, so you got, you got one one person on board at the very least. Uh, now, I the reason I'm 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 so happy you're back on the on the podcast is because I've had several people asking me about the thing uh, one one thing that we touched upon in our last podcast, which was in late November last year, and that's the narrative reversal that is an integral part of the collective journey that 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 we've been talking about. So just to recap, the narrative reversal, if I got it right, you know, it's it's when you find yourself at odds with your audience and more importantly, perhaps your fans even, and they, they got some sort of oppositional view of the stories and the narratives that you want to tell them, um, the content you put out, etc., uh, that the things that you are trying to get them to embrace. And, and key for you as a creator and a producer is to n- not go into defense mode, uh, not to alienate these fans, but just to listen to them and to accept that the fact that there will always be opposing views and other opinions about what you created and that these opinions might be valuable and at the very least they are deserved to be to be heard and recognized and they might in the long run even impact how you view the narrative yourself sometimes to uh, to just make it a tiny bit more concise uh, the, the concept is uh, embracing the the narrative reversal yeah um, uh, we all fear uh, being criticized. We all fear that our stories or our messages uh, uh, or our brands could be attacked. So this is a strategy to design your story to be able to acknowledge criticism and counter narratives, yeah. uh, to correct misperceptions and validate your audience's participation in dialogue. Um, uh, so really, it's a it's a discipline uh, that you are um, uh, enacting in order to take criticism and be able to integrate that criticism into your response so that your audience feels as if they're being heard. And, and I think that's one term that you actually mentioned. Uh, I don't remember if it was in the podcast or in the blog that you wrote at the same time. Uh, the, the, the idea of regenerative listening, that all storytelling yep. is dialogue, which I agree on fully, that whether we want it to be or not, you know, it's it's dialogue and not just one-way communication. So is this something you feel can be 
trained and you know how to learn to listen in the right way because uh, from my point of view that's an art that that would pay off enormously to develop very early on in your career it, there is a discipline to it and i do believe that um uh we all can can train ourselves to be able to to listen for the narrative reversal for for criticism and to be able to respond to it in ways that are uh not just productive but of great benefit to ourselves our story and our audience but how do you identify when you are up against an instance of of the narrative reversal that you would be well off to embrace that's a great question and and um and my answer is not just uh with regard to disney lucasfilm it's for all of us that mm-hmm. includes uh we who post on facebook <laughs> and it includes uh corporations who are posting on behalf of brands um uh, any kind of messaging uh, there will always be um a smattering of naysayers there will always be someone who who will pick at your story or doubt your story or, or things like that there's no avoiding it um So the way to identify that you're up against an instance of the narrative reversal has to do with resonance, resonance in their comments. So are there repetitions in what is being said? Uh, Are there patterns to how these comments are spreading across uh, uh, social media and in the mainstream media? If you are uh, seeing those resonances, those repetitions and patterns, you uh, might want to prepare to to deal with that and not ignore it and not necessarily fight it. Also, uh, Simon, I think that you have to detach yourself from your brand, your art, your story, your message, and look at what they're saying. And you have to be honest with yourself. Do they have a point? Are they making a valid point? Okay. And if they are, you have to look at that and and think to yourself, how does that point relate to what it is that I'm saying? Are they uh, uh, mistaken? Is there something uh, that I communicated that is being received uh, in, in error? Or is um, is it that they feel the opposite? Do they recognize uh, what I'm saying and and they're completely opposed to to what I have to say, and and therefore um, there is a there there's a true conflict? Um, or are they right? <laughs> yeah. Are, uh, is their criticism something that you're thinking to yourself? You know what? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, maybe uh, I should address this, you know, so th- those are three different kinds of, of uh, ways that you can objectively uh, uh, absorb uh, in, in terms of the narrative reversal. And there are three different ways to respond uh, in, in kind. In terms of the narrative reversal, when you're seeing these resonances and patterns and they're criticizing you and they're mistaken. That's that's easy because all you have to do is say, hey, I hear you and and um, uh, this is a misunderstanding and, and maybe I haven't uh, communicated clearly enough. So I'm going to clarify the thought. I'm going to uh, add on top of the work what it is that that the intent was so that you um, uh, you get it. And so there is a, a the, the the audience feels validated for raising the point and um, and they feel mollified because you have addressed 
the 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 point and then you get out of there you don't have to stick around for too long <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have to be a long dialogue you're just making a correction uh in the second instance they're criticizing you and they're right yeah you can say hey you have a point uh we've looked into this you're correct and uh, and thank you for pointing this out and then you have to address how you're going to um to fix it maybe it calls for an apology Maybe it calls for a correction. Uh, whatever it is that you're doing, you just say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, to take care of this. In some cases, taking care of this could be expensive. But the very act of saying, hey, you're right, buys you that time, buys you that goodwill uh, and allows you to, uh, to, to fix it. And third, if they're directly opposing you, if the narrative reversal is truly a reversal and they're um, uh, they're directly against you, you can look at, at their points and and say, look, you know, you, we don't stand for that. Our story is our story. You are standing for the opposite of the values, the aspirations and the messages in this story. And we'd like to keep talking to you uh, about this. But we're going to stick by these values. Um, and, and if you don't like them, there might be other things that you would enjoy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to have to move on because we're, um, we're sticking to this. Um, by maintaining a, a dialogue after making such a statement, a lot of people can be swayed. A lot of people can uh, uh, kind of say, oh, uh, OK, wow, you're not going to cave. Let me look into this a little more and you mm -hmm. can win over uh, your your doubters. So those are the, the three ways to deal with the uh, narrative reversal. And I think one key here was was what you started it all out with, that you need to take a step back and be able to look at your situation and your story and, and what you're trying to convey to the audience a little bit from the outside. So you have some distance to, distance to it and you're not tied up to it too much emotionally, etc. That might be, you know, if you look at the different roles within something that is rolling out, you, you know, you can be a creator, you can be the producer, you can be the distributor, you can be in a lot of different roles and face this narrative reversal. So what do you do? Do you revert back to the original creator? Or is it, you know, some sort of, um, is it an organizational issue? Or does it go back to the producer, the distributor, the where where do we start this uh, sure. discussion from? With uh, Starlight Runner, a part of our job is to fundamentally understand uh, the messages in the uh, uh, brands and uh, intellectual properties that we're helping, that we're representing, that we're uh, developing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it goes back that far. You know, it isn't necessarily up to the, the storyteller, the creator to uh, start to imagine all the ways that the story can be opposed. <laughs> no. You know, artists are artists. They, they have something to say and they, they say it and it's, uh, they try to make it beautiful and high quality and, um, and they do their best. So I believe that there are, are stewards that um, uh, are there to uh, defend and protect the integrity of the brand or the story. That may be the producer, it may be the studio, it may be the corporation. 
Uh, it may be the advertising agency, whoever it is. My feeling is that they need to fundamentally understand the underlying foundation uh, of the story. What is being said? What are the messages? What are the values? What are the aspirational components of this narrative? When you understand those, it becomes easier uh, to identify opposition and to to do those three things, uh, detect whether they're mistaken, whether they're in direct opposition or, or whether they um, are, are right, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and and that um, that that starts at the uh, close to the beginning. Uh, that's our our favorite way of approaching. It. Is there any way you can try to make it so that you never find yourself in this position? Or, or is it even desirable? Because in a way, if people oppose, if you if you encounter the narrative reversal, if you try to embrace it, it means that people have cared so much about what you are trying to tell them or what you or the stories you are creating, that they've actually taken the time to, to invest of their own energy into, into reversing that narrative. So that's a good thing in a sense. But I mean, is it is the only way to not encounter a narrative reversal, basically to make something so bland that no one cares? Or That's exactly right, Simon. <laughs> um, there is nothing you can do um, to never find yourself in this position. <laughs> There's <laughs> always going to uh, uh, be a, a narrative reversal, particularly if your statement is strong. If there's quality and, and integrity to your statement, somebody is going to attack it. <laughs> yeah. um, or if what you're saying is controversial or provocative or 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 nasty there's going to be opposition uh, to it our philosophy is that if it's going to happen why not welcome it there's joy in storytelling and so there ought to be joy in leaning into the challenges to your ideas you know it's a sign of progress a sign of evolution a sign of actualization to want to passionately talk about your story um, and um, and if you've got your story down if you know it and understand it if you're not guessing about your story but you are your story and you're incarnating your story then it becomes easy and even delightful uh, to take on challenges uh, to that story. Uh, uh, Simon, frankly, I think if if more of us did did that, if more of us took that attitude, there'd be so much less polarization in the world, uh, so much less vitriol. The engagement becomes fun and passionate, um, and yet we, um, we, we can uh, uh, separate ourselves from the story to the point where uh, we're capable of holding uh, the opposing view in our mind or even several views that mm -hmm. are perhaps oppositional or different and, and hold them in our minds and be at peace with that. Um, that's a concept that we at Starlight Runner uh, call the integral mind, integral thinking. 
to be able to consider the opposite of what we're thinking and not panic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I absolutely agree that uh, if we would get more used to facing the narrative reversal, if we, we if we would be able to hold more differing viewpoints in our minds, then it, everyone would be better off. The discussions, the debates would be so much more fruitful. We would end up somewhere else than just contradicting each other. Now, what I was when I was thinking about uh, narrative reversal examples, I landed on what I had encountered that struck me as the most blatant ones. I landed on on Reddit, which is I think is the third or fourth most visited website in the US uh, yeah. at the moment, with something like four or five hundred million registered users, and it's a global phenomenon, etc. And they have their uh, AMA sessions, their Ask Me Anything sessions that a lot of people have done. You know, everyone from Barack Obama to Donald Trump to to Bill Gates, etc. Uh, anyone who is interesting in and of themselves or have something interesting to say can go to an Ask Me Anything session where it's basically it's open season on these persons for the time they have allotted for their Ask Me Anything session. Of course, they can choose which questions to answer, but uh, the good thing is to be a, to be a good sport and, and to answer as many questions as possible. Now, which, uh, having experienced that myself and been asked <laughs> some yeah. pretty strong reversal questions, I, I empathize completely. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the, the most blatantly catastrophic example of an yeah. AMA that, gone, that, that went wrong was uh, Woody Harrelson back in 2013 because his film Rampart, stable, staple of any moviegoer's diet, I'm sure, was coming out. <laughs> and someone from the marketing department had the great idea to host an Ask Me Anything session to market the film, which mm-hmm. is not a bad idea since a lot of films do it. But usually it's a good idea to have the actor, him or herself, actually participating. So what yeah. we had this time around was some marketing professional doing the AMA, but pretending to be Harrelson, which was, of course, a catastrophe. You know, people started confronting this alleged Harrelson with inappropriate behavior. And the peer person was quite naturally quite baffled and scared and panicked and went with the blanket response to everyone that, hey, let's stick to questions about Rampart. And, you know, six years running, this has become a meme of itself. When someone doesn't want to answer a question, the answer is invariably, let's stick to Rampart. So last year, you had Seth MacFarlane, who was almost in the same situation. And I noticed it since I was helping host an AMA myself at the exact the same moment. So he was setting up an AMA session, prefaced it with, uh, for the next 30 minutes, I'm answering as many questions as I can about the Orwell. Ask me anything. Uh, a new episode of the Orwell is on Sunday on Fox and a link to, to a trailer on YouTube. And it rapidly became very obvious that it was some marketing intern that was running the Ask Me Anything session and had no clue about any of the questions that people were asking. So tellingly, the most upvoted question was from a user called uh, S13B23 who asked, are we going to talk about Rampart though? <laughs> so <laughs> the Reddit moderator stepped in and the sticky comment on top is them saying, hi everyone, this one is a bit of a mess, we know. Looks like a lot of detail uh, got lost as we set this all up. Fortunately, Seth is a good sport. He is apologetic about screwing this up and he's going to give it another shot, try to not give in too much crap. And half an hour, he'll host another Another Ask Meditation session himself, which was extremely well received, was top 10 of all AMAs that year, 20,000 uploads, 4,000 comments. The title was 
I'm Seth MacFarlane, back from you and better go at this AMA thing. What you're talking about hits at the core of being able to to embrace the narrative reversal and uh, effectively, and that is authenticity. And um, uh, we as storytellers or, or, or the stewards of, of these narratives just have to be authentic. Now, some people equate authenticity with being factual, and that is not necessarily so. I think even the the most ardent fan of uh, President uh, Donald Trump uh, would say, well, he, he doesn't tell the the facts uh, all the time, but he is always 100 percent emotionally authentic. Um, he is present and, and he uh, is expressing exactly how he feels. And I respond to that. I, I like that he is emotionally authentic. And um, and that uh, would allow for him to say you know, virtually anything he wants. So when when you're on the uh, Reddit and you're not the person that you're pretending to be, that's truly inauthentic. And, and mm-hmm. it will almost immediately be uh, detected. We, we have, you know, the hive mind is is too sharp, too brilliant, and, and they will figure it out uh, rather quickly. I, I think uh, both of those examples that you cited have to do with uh, being present and um, and authentic, if if not factually, at least emotionally. And that takes some that takes some training. You need to practice that to be to not revert back into a role or not revert back into your professional role or or some other safe ground, but to actually be present and to actually be authentic, right? It does. It, it really does, and it takes commitment and um, and it takes practice. I, I really feel that um, marketing people, advertising people, the people who who are there to represent our, our narratives, they really need some training in the embrace of the narrative reversal. There are still too often, I feel, um, mistakes are, are made. There was a uh, there is a, a United States representative, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, mm-hmm. uh, she's, um, uh, in Congress, and um, and she was attacked for um, uh, having uh, danced in college. And there's a music video where where she's shown to to dance. Uh, what could have been, I don't know, somehow embarrassing to her. Uh, what she did was uh, she she did a little dance in front of her office door, uh, you know, uh, a week or so ago, and um, and therefore embraced this reversal and said, hey, this is this is who I am. And, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, she also, by the way, quoted Alan Moore's Watchmen in a tweet. Uh, so all the nerds I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or Khan uh, jumped on board uh, with her. Um, uh, she uh, intuits uh, this this kind of uh, reversal and has been uh, responding, uh, I think, quite well to it. Whether you like her or not is is besides the point. She's been dealing with it uh, quite well. Now, one final question. Uh, when we discussed about making the second episode with you earlier, you, main, you mentioned as an example all the narrative reversal that Peter Jackson had to uh, try to embrace for his take on Lord of the Rings. Yes. Uh, could you just briefly expand on that a little bit more? Because, I mean, as a Lord of the Rings fan, I was 
of course, quite deeply into the discussions around his take on that story. So it's a fascinating story, and and one of the first times that um, embracing the narrative reversal was used on the internet. Um, uh, we're in the um, late 1990s, early aughts. Peter Jackson is uh, a young filmmaker who is um, uh, has only made some horror movies and some odd uh, uh, films out of New Zealand, and here he was leveraging his country's uh, government's uh, ability to uh, supplement the um, budgets to these uh, uh, giant Lord of the Rings movies. And he has a, a very specific vision for these movies. And these uh, uh, various companies, the studios uh, came together and said, okay, uh, we're gonna give you this chance. Uh, you're gonna make this, this Lord of the Rings trilogy. And he got to work and it was the greatest uh, moment of his life. He was absolutely thrilled. But then he was shocked to learn that there were uh, uh, one of the earliest um, uh, web rings, R-I-N-G-S. Uh, this is a, a group of, of websites all devoted to Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were these there were fandoms back then that operated in rings. So they were all kind of uh, interconnected, but all had a slightly different take on on uh, on the thing that they loved. In this case, Tolkien. And they began to criticize Peter Jackson as not being qualified or or not uh, being capable of envisioning Tolkien's work on the big screen, uh, anything you could imagine, they were the naysayers. They were the narrative reversal. Because this was unusual to see this groundswell of protest against a project that hadn't even uh, seriously gotten underway, it began to generate uh, negative press because um, uh, the, the the mainstream media was was watching this kind of protest. So uh, Peter Jackson was in trouble. A lot of uh, the power of story is just the fact that it manifests and creates a kind of public sentiment, which washes back up on the studio. So mm. the studio sitting there going, well, if the fans are doubting him, maybe we should doubt him. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of dreadful. And, and so Peter Jackson was there many thousands of miles away, you know, in charge of hundreds of millions of dollars to try and make these movies. And um, he sees that the faith in him is eroding, not just by the fans, but by the people who gave him the money. He, he did something that is almost counterintuitive today, which is he started to uh, email these uh, Tolkien fans and saying, well, so what are you doubting? What's the problem? He, he was himself and, and he was authentic and genuinely curious about he, he was trying to put his finger on it because it seemed so nebulous. And um, and he, uh, the fans were shocked because in, in that day and age, the idea of being contacted by this, you know, big time creator was so rare and so so unique that they were they kind of, you know, were were pleased. And so they they were honest with him and they said, look, you're not going to get into the detail. Uh, the Lord of the Rings was informed by this tremendous history and this research that Tolkien did and this design sensibility and all that 
sort of thing. And so um, what Jackson started to do was to uh, email JPEGs of the, the things like the sword hilts <laughs> and and all the, the props, <laughs> images of the props and things like that. And he says, well, you know, what do you think? And uh, the, the fans went crazy. They were thrilled. They were thrilled. They felt validated for their uh, concerns and celebrated for uh, participating in the conversation. Those uh, th- that ring formed a single website called OneRing.net, and um, uh, they became the most ardent champions of uh, uh, Peter Jackson's work. They were thrilled to be in constant contact. They would get some exclusive materials uh, 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 almost every couple of weeks. And um, and then members, representatives of the OneRing.net were actually flown at Peter Jackson's expense to uh, the set <laughs> um, to actually see firsthand what this is. What wound up happening is that the OneRing.net Realizing that um, uh, fantasy movies were not uh, very uh, successful in recent years, uh, decided to clarify, help the media understand what a hobbit was, <laughs> what the ring was about, what the, um, uh, uh, the world, the Middle Earth, the world of Middle Earth was all about. Hmm. So that the public, the mainstream public, can become uh, familiar and intrigued and interested in the Lord of the Rings. So they became, they moved from being um, harsh critics and potentially uh, inflicting catastrophic results. They, they moved because Peter Jackson embraced the narrative reversal. They moved to become apostles. <laughs> they, they, they went out into the world and helped the entire planet um, uh, to understand and become excited for the Lord of the Rings. And, um, and that is uh, truly an example of uh, uh, Peter Jackson embracing the narrative reversal. In that case, it was him personally, the storyteller as opposed to the studio, which didn't even understand what was going on yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, um, and achieving uh, tremendous success. So not only embracing the narrative reversal, but basically converting your antagonists or the contentious fans to your cause. So that's admirable. It is one of the most powerful outcomes of embracing the narrative reversal. And um, and that that can happen quite frequently if you're sensitive, if you're authentic and um, and if you validate and celebrate the this participative uh, aspect of storytelling. I mean, there's nothing people want more than to be recognized. And especially for if it's about something that they care deeply about, then the recognition is even more valuable. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's still the most rare thing in the world to be genuinely heard, to be listened to, Simon. And that is at the core of any fandom. Uh, when when I'm a fan of something, it's because it's almost as if the story has heard me, uh, has has seen into my heart, and and therefore I love it. Um, and you can maintain that relationship if you're a good storyteller by continuing to acknowledge 
um, those resonances. And that's where these uh, huge uh, uh, franchises kind of continue for many, many years. There is that that kind of bond, that relationship. And it's uh, it's a lesson that anyone who has a story to tell I really ought to learn. And on that note, Jeff, I think we're we have to end this podcast because we're running a little bit out of time. This was a genuine pleasure and I look forward to having you on again in the future because these I love these discussions. Jeff, thank wow. you very much for for thank uh, you, being son. on this podcast. There's so much more to talk about. I look forward to to returning one day soon. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.